Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with, or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recoveringto.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're Recovering Too. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, episode four. Today's topic is all about anonymity, and we had a special guest. Uh, She's a licensed therapist named Sue, and she is actually the counselor for both Alex and Elise. Um, Yeah, so today was my (laughs) first day meeting her, but Alex, Elise, tell us a little bit about Sue. So I, uh, Sue was uh, Steve and I's therapist for marriage counseling when we first started. So that's how I kind of first met her. And so she was trying to kind of dig through what was going on in our wonderful relationship. And then after Steve got into recovery, uh, I continued to go to her privately. And then uh, Alex was looking for a new counselor. uh, And I said, I love Sue. And that's (laughs) when you started. Yeah, and um, she's been great. I've been going to her for a few months, but um, naturally, as w- during our sessions, the podcast has come up, and um, so she was really interested in kind of talking to us a little bit more about why we feel like we have to be anonymous with with the podcast. And so it's a it's a topic that we have struggled with since coming up with the idea of starting a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we think our stories are valuable and we want to share them because help the relationships that we have with each other have helped us through a lot of the, you know, hard times that come with addiction. And so we want to be able to share that with other people looking, you know, who may be without a resource like that. But we're all hesitant to kind of do it as ourselves. So this conversation, we dive into a little more about why we feel that way and kind of discuss whether or not we will reveal ourselves to you. So we hope that you um, enjoy the show. Why do we want to be anonymous in the podcast? Well, I think we've gone back and forth about that because part of the reason we wanted to do the podcast was like, oh, we want to help break the stigma and show people that, you know, normal people go through this. And then I think we felt a little like almost hypocritical because we're like, oh, we want to break the stigma, but let's not use our real names. And so it's been a little bit of a conflict there. Yeah. Um. The thing for me is like, it's not my, it's my story, but some of the things aren't my story. And so it's hard to like own those. Like I can tell my perspective of it, but a lot of the things like when we did our check-in a few weeks ago, like 
those things happened along in my life, but those were not my my those were not those were not my relapse. It was not my kind of not my journey. So it's weird to I don't know when you share for me when I share like so much about my spouse. If like my I just think about pe- people I know professionally heard that like would it be applied to me as my as like my journey when it's kind of it is kind of separate and it's a different. I don't know. My, it's just a little bit different. So I think I worry a little bit that, like, that stigma of, like, the drug addict's journey will be applied to me, even though, I mean, it is, but it's like, I'm not doing those things, you know? So I guess for me, that's why I don't talk about it at work and stuff. Like, I don't want people to judge my husband, but I also don't want to be judged for his mistakes either, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. How does your husband feel about it? I mean, he, he knows you're doing the podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. How does he feel about you? Um, mentioning his name as it really is or yeah. your name as it really is. So I think he's a little bit more comfortable because he talks about this stuff all the time. Like, he's more open about it at work. He's more open about it with his friends, but he's more comfortable with it. So he's, like, very encouraging and he doesn't care at all. But I, I just don't know. I have never been... No one at work has known in like my last few jobs. So it's just like, I've always kept it kind of separate. So if, and even in my family, like my mom doesn't know certain things because that's caused us like some trouble in the past. And so if like, I worry more about the people closest to me hearing the full story and then placing their own judgments or things I should be doing or shouldn't be doing on, on us and then that causing more pressure. So it's less about the wider world, and it's way more about my world. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I don't care if somebody states away knows that it's yeah. actually me, but I'm a little bit worried about the people that I interact with yeah. on a regular basis. Or, you know, there are things, like you were saying with your mom, like that my family, they don't know every detail or even about every relapse that has happened. Right. Um, and if... I don't know, I guess I worry that they'll be like, why didn't you tell us this? Or your feelings are going to be hurt or they'll be angry or they'll also hear more and that will make them judge Jake Mm -hmm. more. And I don't know. So it's just, yeah, it's definitely the people who I'm close to. That's where I'm worried. Or maybe not even close to, but the people that I'm close, like in proximity, like the people Mm -hmm. I work with Mm -hmm. and that I go to the gym with. I don't know. And it's not that I wouldn't share with one of those people if they were in a similar situation and I felt like my experience would be valuable to them because I would share in that instance. It's more of like the the way that they would judge me without knowing anything about addiction or knowing anything about my husband specifically and knowing like he's a good person who has this thing happening, you know, and like he's trying to figure out. So it's it's way more about kind of goes back to the stigma it's way more about the judgments people make about drug addicts in general and and less about actually the story of addiction and how recovery can happen and all of that yeah I, f- I feel the same <laughs> I know I because I mean, I'm all up for telling a stranger on the street yeah but I mean I, I won't I won't tell my family that I'm doing this podcast like I'm really proud of it and I I hope that this goes on for a while but to tell my family that we're doing a podcast um his side or my side. Is what would your family say? Uh, 
I don't know, because I haven't told them any details. They don't. They know um, Steve is a drug addict and that he did bad things, uh, but we're working through it. So that's all they know. They don't really know all the stories. Which is the, a double-edged sword, though, because there is all the bad stuff, and I think I talk about this in my sessions a lot, but it's like 90% of our life is good stuff, and then there's a relapse or there's something, and it's such a... Sh- like the last one was six hours or something it was like such a short period of time and then there's all this growth and progress that happens and I think that when you don't tell the bat like when you just don't talk about the addiction at all you can't really celebrate the growth that the person's having too with those people that are close to you they so you lose out on that part too yeah which is something like I want my mom to be proud of him but I can't tell her you know well a year ago you know, we was in a recovery house and like, cause she doesn't know that stuff. And so it's like, it's hard to be like, also be like, be really proud of him because she thinks he's been doing fine for a while. So yeah. And Steve just celebrated four years and I had, I had texted you two saying, Hey, would it be weird if I asked my family to send him a happy birthday message? Uh, cause that's what you called in recovery. And they were like, no, but even when I sent text messages to friends that say, Hey, it's Steve's four year birthday. Can you send him happy birthday? Because I am so proud of him, but I was uncomfortable. I didn't know how they would take it, but everybody texted him and said, happy birthday. And, um, even my dad had said like, I'm proud of him and I'm also proud of you for staying. So, oh, so that's that was cool. nice. Um, and then Steve felt so good for getting all those messages. He was like, Oh, my friend texts me. Oh, you know, he was just so excited. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in that case, were you surprised by the, their their reaction? Yeah, I guess I didn't know what they were going to say. I didn't know. How, I mean, it's a very simple thing, but then it's almost like bringing up like, oh, he used to be a drug addict and he used to do terrible things and we're four years from that. Yeah. So it's almost like bringing up the bad like again, so, like same you didn't thing. want to remind them of it, as if maybe, yeah, they, they think about it. They forgot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's not their life, so I mean, maybe people don't really realize the impact. Yeah, I think not a long time ago. Like my dad asked Steve if he wanted a beer. Like I just don't think he. It just again, I don't. I think out of sight, out of mind. And then I, I joked. And I was like, "You can't give a drug addict a beer, Dad." And he was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah." So, yeah. yeah. And I think, too, um, which I brought up with you, Sue, before, is, um, like, with the whole work thing, um, you know, if they're in active addiction, there's all that chaos around it. Like, oh, I mean, I left work so many times. Like, oh, I found out he got in a car accident. Oh, I just wanted to sit outside of his work to, when he walked out of work, to see where he was going, and I follow his car. And, like, I left work so much, and, like when he overdosed and then he was in the ICU, like I had to be at the hospital, like, but I couldn't tell work where I was, like all those things. Like, I don't want my work to think crazy things for me. However, I have two small children and I am called out of the office way more for my two small children than my drug addict husband. Yeah. It's just weird. Work is kind of my place where I just get to be myself and I don't have to, it's like a place where I can go and the people there know me for like my professional things and yeah. not not anything else and so it's kind of a place like even when you know my husband was in the recovery house like I looked I just liked going to work it took my mind off of all the things happening at home so I don't really want to go there and like confide in a friend at work about 
the, the bad things happening with my husband is I just like to leave that aside and just oh, go. Nice. And those are my hours where it's like I can focus and I can do this thing and I don't have to think about all of that. So it's that's helped me. And so I don't know, yeah, for that reason, if I would um, tell work anyways. That's, like someone at work. That's interesting because I'm almost the opposite I, I work in a small, there's 24 of us, and we work in events, and so we work long hours for multiple days, and our office is very, like, close. Like, everybody knows everyone's spouse, their kids' names, people's birthdays, and so for me, I always feel like I am leaving a piece mm-hmm. of myself out. Like, when currently Jake is living in a recovery house, and now... There are, like, four of my, like, really close workers who know varying degrees of what's going on. I kind of, (laughs) I think it's something I do a lot is I'll tell a little bit, see how people respond, then I decide if I'm going to tell a little bit more. And so, but then that's kind of hard to keep track of, okay, who knows how much. Um, But where I was going with that, with Jake living in the recovery house, like, it's very common where people are like, oh, what are you guys doing this weekend or what are you doing tonight? And so I f- feel like I either have to lie, make something up and be like, oh, yeah, we're just hanging out or I don't know, or I have to tell them. And and so it's – I don't feel like I can separate, mm-hmm. like, my personal life from my work life. It, and a lot of the people are, like, friends. Like, we hang out outside of work because we're close. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like I'm – keeping stuff back and Mm -hmm. I don't know which then I struggle with you know you can have privacy and like if I want to keep something private that's not necessarily lying but and I don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah it does I keep thinking about what it is that you guys are so worried about that other people will judge you I mean what do you think they're going to think of you who, who is crazy enough to stay with a heroin addict? Right. Who gets like, knocked up right after they find <laughs> out they have a heroin addict as a husband and they stay <laughs> and they keep the baby. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm. You know. Crazy to who? To everyone. Literally, I was missing <laughs> two years ago. <laughs> and I just, like, lived my life, like... At work, but took a call from a detective, like, hey, we found your husband. I, it, it's just, like, these things are insane that happen when the when bad things are happening. And, like, from the outside, I would tell anyone, like, well, yeah, that's a, not a great situation to be in, you know? So you look at someone, and it's like my, from my mom, for example. You're successful. You're young. You have, you can, you have the world, like, ahead of you. Why, even though this is a great person, why spend your time with someone that's not ready and like who's still doing these things and brings you all this stress and can it can change your life in a moment his decisions you know and so it makes sense I don't disagree because I I think about it a lot myself like is this the right thing to be doing and, and all of that so I think it would be so easy from the outside to hear these stories and like and think why would you why would you do that? Why would you spend your 20s with someone like that? Why would you, you know? And especially when you're younger because they don't, you know, they don't drink. You don't, you know, living the typical, you know, late 20s lifestyle. And a lot of people would be like, well, why would you do that? And so, I don't know. I think it would be easy from the outside to, to not understand and to ask why. 
Yeah, I yeah, I think there's the fear of people thinking like I'm dumb. Like yeah, not yeah. not crazy, I think one thing also, but then just being like I've always been I think looked at as very smart, like I make good mm-hmm. decisions. I always did well in school, at the top of my class, and so I feel like people would be like this is really dumb. Like you're putting yourself through this or like, like, you know, the outcome, like, you know, he's going to relapse, you know, he's going to overdose. Like, why would you stay if you know this path? Or I think maybe a lot of people think that all addicts maybe don't get better. The addicts that they know don't get better. So why would you stay? Cause you know where this is going. Yeah. And I think that's maybe why we have this podcast is saying like, it doesn't have to go that way. Right. So why do you guys stay? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Changes day to day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I for me, I think it's because I see the potential. I see the 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 person. I see addiction as a disease, number one, mm-hmm. and then I see the person fighting the disease and how much they they put towards that. And um, it's it gives you hope. You know, you just you know that this person that's not all that they are, and you see them be successful in other parts of their life and. You see them, like, growing and through recovery, becoming a better person and, and really trying. It's really hard to leave someone that is giving it everything they have and but still has this thing that they struggle with. So, and outside of the addiction, when we're not in active use, and by we, I mean him, <laughs> not in active use, life is normal and good. And But there's, you know, he has to leave for an hour to go to a meeting or he has to step out and, like, call a sponsor, but... Those things aren't normal, but those are fine. Like, we've learned to, like, live our life around this new way of, this new structure. And it's, no, it's, it's, it, it's good, and it's exciting, and it's fun, and it feels like just, like, any other relationship. So, I don't know that I would be saying the same thing if it was constantly active addiction. I think that's a different, a different thing. Right. Yeah. I think something that you've brought up before, Alex, um, kind of when um, your husband was going through kind of an active part, and I was, and I think I kind of questioned you, like, why? And you're like, well, if I had cancer, I'd want him to stick it out with me, and it, that kind of goes to the disease. Like, if you just say, and I think that your fear, and I think my fear too, and maybe it's your fear, that when you say, we're breaking up, I'm out, I'm getting a divorce, that... Um, your uh, spouse believes that you believe they can do it and when you say I'm out that's your sign to them like I don't think you're gonna pull this out yeah and I gotta get out before the ship sinks yeah and I think that's sad that is so funny literally so I went to the family recovery meeting on Wednesday and a topic that came up was like hope like should you always have hope and the facilitator facilitator was like absolutely there there's always hope And the question I said was, like, I'm struggling with, like, how to portray to Jake, like, I still have hope and believe in you and I'm not giving up on you in recovery, but I can't be with you right now. And I was like, because I feel like me pulling away or saying, like, we can't be together and we're breaking up and you're living there is, like, me being, like, I'm giving up on you because I don't think you can do it. And so... That it was just very timely that you said that because it's literally something that I'm sure I feel like it's giving off like I am giving up and I don't want to give up on him but it's like I need to yeah I also d- step 
away because he is in this he's in an active addiction, active addiction yeah. cycle currently. I think another th- another aspect though is to think of it from your perspective, like take the addiction out of it. It's like knowing, and I know more about your story than we've talked about here, but there's that part though that's like you need to step away, not outside of the addiction, but just because you all aren't in the same place in life. And so if, if it, you put replace the addiction with anything else, you he's not in a place like you guys just aren't in the same level right now like Mm -hmm. he's not ready to get married and settle down and all these things he's just somewhere else and I think that that's a little bit different not being married is that you have a decision to make around kind of your timeline like you're we can't you not to say timeline like the callback to before but where it's so hard to take away the addiction from that is all of his hesitancy around marriage and kids has been because he's an addict and it's fear driven of well what if we have kids and I relapse and fuck up and I don't get to ever see them sure and so I don't know like if he wasn't dealing with addiction I I don't know what yeah he would be feeling like around there so sure yeah I don't know that kind of went off on a little bit on a tangent but (laughs) um something you said earlier when you were talking about how do our like spouses feel about us doing this podcast. Oh. I think a difference um, between Jake and Charlie, like Jake is, was, well, I don't know. I haven't really talked to him in the last like month and a half about the podcast at all. But initially he was like, that's awesome. You guys are doing it. I think it's great. Like all for it. Um, but he was also a little hesitant about having his name mm. out there. He is not like as open. I feel like as, Charlie is of just like talking to people mm-hmm. about story and so that is part of it for me why I'm hesitant even if I used a fake name for him if I used my real name like people the internet like yeah you could easily find out his and so there's that struggle of like I don't know how you how you can reconcile those two things or mm-hmm. get to a place yeah I don't want it to affect Steve's job either and what about you know maybe my children down the line Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's another thing about that. Like, do you want the, yeah. Yeah. But what, my children will know that their dad is an addict, but will my children? Then the gory details. Mm -hmm. Maybe. But I want them to be proud of their dad. Yeah. Proud of me for sticking it out. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, having maybe the balls to tell a story Mm -hmm. that people aren't telling well, like why are we hiding in the shadows yeah i think it's important to say also <laughs> when you say sticking it out that you, it was more than sticking it out like you they should be proud of you because you stayed with steve but you did like work for yourself and for your oh. family like sticking it out i think almost makes it sound like i just hung out i just hung out and waited until we got there and it's like no you actually did the work on yourself yeah to allow you to get to this point, so yeah, it's well, yeah. And that was something you were talking about. That this isn't my journey; it's his journey. Part of it, but yeah, you know. And I was thinking, but this is ev- this has been every this has been your journey too. Yeah, and I think that's what gets difficult sometimes with with people that are dealing with addicts. You know, um, is the codependency part. Yeah. And the part where you get the whole thing mixed up and, you mm-hmm. know, when you can lose yourself in the whole thing and 
one of the reasons why you guys have been able to stay, I'm sure, is because you've done so much work on your own self, set limitations, boundaries, knowing what you can do and what you can't do. So then in one hand, bringing it back to, you know, the anonymity part of it Mm -hmm. is just, as you said, I feel like I would be speaking out and it was not my journey. Mm -hmm. So just something I... It's interesting. See, I disagree with that. You feel that same way that it's not... Like, you feel the same way as Alex, but I disagree. Like, I 100% think it. I have every right to tell this story, however much I want to tell it, and screw him. Like, this is me. This is for me. This isn't for you. Yeah. And it affects him, but I feel like it's my story. I guess I feel yeah. like it's my story yeah. in the way that things, like, where my participation or where things happened, but... I think where it gets complicated is a lot of things that we talk about. I like Jake will have told me after the fact when he's had clean time and we start talking and he'll tell me about experiences mm-hmm. that like like I was not the one using or I don't know and then to like repeat or share tidbits of stuff that he told me feels like that's telling. Mm-hmm his story but sort of it's so hard because it's intertwined Mm. but it's you can speak on your perspective of the things right so i think a lot of the the codependency the lying the way that you the addiction affects the spouse we can 100 percent. but these are like the darkest lowest moments of my loved one's life like these are not times that he's proud of you know and so to share like the absolute dirty details of whatever it is like that's this person's lowest point and it just I want to be respectful of him and because that's not really the point right it's really not the point of of the whole thing the whole thing is is more about how do we how does this thing this thing happening in our lives how do we deal with that and how do we protect ourselves and how do we continue to be ourselves and not let that consume us and the family and all that other stuff. So I don't know. I just feel a little cautious about, I want to be honest and I want to be helpful, but I want to be respectful at the same time. And I think it, we, we could say, oh, well, we just won't tell any of their stories, but that isn't really, I don't even think that's yeah. real realistic either because in order to explain like, oh, I did this or that, like you kind of need some background yeah I don't know because it's your reaction yeah like to this my reaction and the things that I do are related to the story so I if somebody was listening to me like they need to have the background so I can't just like leave those details out but then by sharing those details I feel like I'm sharing even if it is my story it's also somebody else's story but I think I'm more willing to share that I think you're right, you need context, but I'm more willing to share those, that context with strangers, (laughs) and not like, (laughs) and so I think that's what the comfort of the, like, the anonymity is, it's, it's that, well, I don't have to, this, my dad's not listening to this, and so, you know, it's like, I don't want the people closest to us to, to worry, or to know those things, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think it's mostly worry? Or, again, it's more, I don't want them to judge me. Like, why Why would would I stay? I don't want them to judge him. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of the, I don't want them to judge him. Okay. I think there's a little bit of don't want them to judge me. But then I also think worry is a part of it where, like, I, just, I don't want, I know that my family already worries about me. And then I feel almost, like, guilty or maybe it's guilty for making them worry. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, trying to protect their feelings which is just another burden in a time when things are really in a place where you're just trying to take care of yourself like with my mom I used to tell her everything and I thought well she's my person that I can that can comfort me with these things and I didn't have the like a recovery group yet I didn't have this group of friends and it turned into you need to leave him you need to leave him you need it was just this up like this other stress that was like okay maybe I do but I can't even think about that right now like I don't know where he is, like, I don't know, you know, there's just all this stuff that's like, okay, fine, but that's just not, I'm not even in a place to, to decide that, and so when you, I just, it's just a lot of extra noise that I don't want to manage either, so, yeah, so for me, it's, for some people, it's been a, it's been a boundary for myself, because I can't manage their emotions around the situation, so there are some people like my stepmom, for example, who when he was missing like that a couple years ago, I called her and she came over and she helped me. And it was it was there was no other drama about it. It was just like so sorry. It was very like this is so sorry this is happening. She was comforting. She was helpful, you know, and it's not something that we like revisit and drag on and on and on. So I am fortunate that there are some family members that that understand and like know who he is and understand what he's doing and you know all that but there are other people that are just not there so it's a lot yeah and I think some people don't understand it so I've told a couple of just different people and different friends and uh, I think we've we've talked about this like they just they want to know all the crazy stories mm-hmm. um, but don't real <clears throat> realize that it's an absolute nightmare um, uh, so I know that in our, uh, second episode where we kind of tell like kind of our WTF moments, like we're laughing. I was kind of reflecting that we're laughing through telling these awful, awful stories. Now we're years from it, things like that. But when it was going on, it was awful mm-hmm. and it was a living nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you don't tell, you know, I think I told somebody that, you know, one of my friends husband's one of you guys' husband's uh relapse and like okay i'm like no not okay like that is terrible and then like she just moved on and it's like okay well oh it was when all three of the friends relapsed within a week of each other yeah and i was like oh my god is steve gonna do this i think i was panicking and i told this girl kind of like reaching out and i was like all three of my friends husbands relapsed within a week of each other and then she's like Oh, that sucks. And I was like, nope, nope, need something bigger. Yeah. No. And so, I just don't think people understand. Yeah. What is your experience? I don't even know if you can share if this is even, like, how, how can, like, families, like, or loved ones, like, I don't want to say stick it out, but I, you know what I mean? Like, how, how does this take a toll on relationships, in your professional opinion? relationships so you're not you're talking about not with the significant other you're talking about 
the toll of relationships like parents, yeah, siblings. um, Yes. Oh, I think it's very complicated, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that, as you guys were talking about, everybody's reactions are going to be different. So you're in a position to decide who who you can tell and who you can't tell. Mm -hmm. All right. Who do you want to know and who is it easier not to know, Mm -hmm. as you were talking about? So, you know, that, that's why in, in this, when I was asking you guys this question, why are you not telling your names or your significant other names? It's not a judgment. It was more of a curiosity mm-hmm. as to what's important for you to protect for yourself, mm-hmm. for them, you know, the addict. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's understandable about why you don't want work to know um, because how much have they gone through this themselves that they could even understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what percentage is it? So, you know, I think just, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'm just saying, I think that there's so much stigma still around addiction. Mm-hmm. And people are so scared when it comes to addiction mm-hmm. of any kind because it's such an un, out of control situation. Yeah. You guys can't control what your significant other is doing. Right. Right. So, how could anybody else parent? sibling anybody do it right so um you know again it's i think that's one of the reasons why maybe a lot of people don't stick in with it with their significant other is maybe because of the pressure that they're feeling from other family members or jobs or whatever it's a follow-up question to that but from your experience with people that have been in relationships of any kind with addicts and then that addict has pursued recovery and is living a life in recovery what are the relationship dynamics that were important in creating that success for both the family but also for the addict oh wow good question (laughs) I'm a pro here comes Alex pro pro podcaster can you say that again that could be like (laughs) That would be a whole other episode. <laughs> What's important to, like, what makes these relationships work? Oh. Like, what are the things that make them work? Well, I think I'm going to throw that back at you. Yeah. That's why I keep going back and I keep saying, why have you guys stayed? Mm-hmm. Why do some people stay and other people don't? Now, what I can relate this to is, for example, I see a lot of couples in my practice. And I get this all the time about why do people stay together? Why can some people stay together after an affair and others can't? Okay. Well, I think it's kind of along the same lines. Yeah. I think it's it's about can you rebuild trust? How much is the other person trying? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, how much are you in the position because you're not the addict of trying to be respectful, mm-hmm. trying not to you know uh, ask questions constantly? How to create boundaries so that they don't always feel like you're nagging them and on them. So I think in a lot of ways. It applies to this also. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a betrayal of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I've always related this sometimes to like an affair as mm-hmm. if my partner's had an affair because they're seeking some seeking something out from outside of our relationship. In this yep. case, heroin. They're yeah. they're going and that has, then creates lies and mm-hmm. all this like sneaking around. Yeah, um, it's very similar. Yeah. Do you see a lot of, um, because for a while you worked in a crisis center, 
Um, do you see a lot of shame when people are coming in? Because you deal with it. Do people come in a crisis center because of addiction, or mm-hmm. is it all all kinds of? Yeah, a lot of people come. But usually, people are coming in to the crisis center because they want to get into treatment, mm-hmm. and they need to go into some kind of detox. Mm-hmm. That's as far as that we see. Where I what I did, you mm-hmm. know. But I do believe that you know you guys know there's so much shame. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. shame on the addict's part. There's shame on your part. Mm-hmm. And again, that is also why I went back and I was so curious about the question: Why keep all of your names? Because what would you tell people out there? that are new to this Mm -hmm. and they're trying to reach out to somebody but they have so much shame Mm -hmm. so you guys have been able to come together through you know um you know the family process of treatment Mm -hmm. right and you've developed this these relationships with each other so that you can talk to each other about those feelings Mm -hmm. but what would you say to somebody that was listening to this podcast and they're saying well they're still not you know talking about who they really are so how could I ever go out and talk about my struggles? Yeah. yeah. I know that's part of the reason why we want to use our names. But, yeah. So what would you tell people, though, you know, if, if, they, if they're just starting to reach out? Well, there are places you can go yeah. with like-minded people. And so you should start there. Well, and I think, and that's also, I think we would hope to grow grow our podcast kind of into an online community almost where you know you can create like a private facebook or facebook group or something and so it's like people can connect that way like we were lucky to have a treatment facility in town that had a family group but if you live somewhere that doesn't have that like yeah maybe an online option or just like listening to other stories through a podcast yeah even like Al-Anon or Nar-Anon or something like a a more traditional meeting base I don't that's not my favorite I found a lot more value in the ability to kind of share stories and talk back and forth those meetings are not like structured like that but you could meet people there yeah and some people really enjoy them yeah yeah so those would be a good place too but that doesn't help breaking down the stigma. It uh, it doesn't. I don't. I also sometimes. Whose job is that, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe God's. Why, I don't why know. do I have to take that on? Maybe I don't know. not. Us. But I think. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I, I think. That's what I wanted to like break down all these stigmas and we can do this and. I mean. But I'm scared. I think that there's an opportunity to do. I think that that's needed because. Yeah. Just, it's just, yeah, it's terrifying. It's like, why? Yeah, it's just terrifying to do that. I also think part of wanting to use our real names is probably a little bit of ego. But it's like, we have gone through so much. And, like, the resilience and strength and everything that we've built up. Like, sometimes I'm like, I want people to True. know that. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. It's yeah. like almost wanting some sort of, I don't want to say credit, but it's yeah. like, you you're, you're people right. that I'm around have no idea that like I'm making it through a work day, without knowing yeah where Jake is or like I show up to work because I had these meetings and I have to be after he OD'd and was in the hospital all night and it's like I'm still doing these things and it's like 
I don't know. Or like I opened a restaurant and had meetings with the governor while my husband was missing. Right. Like, like I don't know. These like crazy, just live my life like, and like. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre, but I agree. It's like we have managed to to become like to maintain like our professional lives and ourselves and even like enjoy our life in the midst of all this stuff. And I think that is something that we should be proud of. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's like I want to share that. Like, yeah. look what we're making it through and how well we're doing. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So what's, um, what's that say about us? Yeah. Sue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well you're the professional. I'm the only so, one that's uh, using my real name here, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what might not be Sue. <laughs> um, we haven't said any last names. Yeah. <laughs> Like, how can we, is that something uh, within us, like, um, I won't say, like, like a fault or something, but we can split all this, like, how can your husband be missing, Mm -hmm. but you're meeting with the governor, like, nothing's going on. Like, if we split that off, like, that we break off that emotion, is that a survival tactic? (laughs) Are we all crazy? Like... (laughs) <laughs> yes, you're all crazy. <laughs> no, I think it speaks to strength. Yeah. And I think it speaks also to um, devotion to your loved one and to the belief that they are going to make it through. At some point, people do get to the, you know, if you know, and I think the difference here, well, not with all of you guys, but the fact is, you know, people will get to the point that if they're, loved one continues to relapse and relapse and relapse and relapse and relapse. I don't think most people stay. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But I think in your situations, there's been enough time in between. All right. As you were saying, you see, most of the time it is successful. Mm -hmm. All right. Most of the time it is. So it's enough to keep you in there. Yeah. So I would say that, but to, you know, I'd say that you guys, your strength and ability to continue to, move on, live your lives, learn how to separate yourself from the chaos when you need to. I think it, yeah, and there's like a level of independence where I know that we all talk about having some level of codependency at sometimes, but then it's also like we are able to separate ourselves from them, like, okay, this terrible thing is happening to my partner right now, but... I might not feel okay, but like I, I'm physically okay and I'm going to still move forward doing the things I can and showing up for my commitments and responsibilities. And so if I think if we were like too wrapped up into oh, them, yeah. like you would be caught, like I can't come into work today. Like, yeah, we are still, yeah. And I think, I think that the strength is a part of it. Well, it's learning about codependency Mm -hmm. so I'm sure you guys have all come a long way from the beginning of this when you were very codependent Mm -hmm. to learning how to not be and that is why you've also been successful probably Mm -hmm. and why your relationships have been successful Mm -hmm. because you've learned to do what you have to do to take care of yourself but still be able to stay in the relationship Mm -hmm. so I think codependency is a huge component here Mm -hmm. and I think people have you know, part of their journey um, of being with an addict is learning how to separate themselves. And that's a very difficult thing to learn to do. Yeah, you want to protect them. Yeah. 
Would you say that's true in any relationship? Like, even when there's not an addict involved, that couples just have this codependent, and, like, that just helps couples in general stay stronger when they can maintain kind of separateness? Does that make sense? Yeah. Although I feel like it almost doesn't make sense because, well, I, I relate codependency to, like, a negative connotation. So saying that the codependency is helping them stay stronger. No, she's saying not having codependency would make a relationship stronger. Yes. Oh, I mean, Like maintaining, that. like, separate lives. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yes. I think yeah. normal yeah. people have codependency issues all the time. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at as well. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. have to be with the, your spouse. It could be with your mom, oh, your yeah. sister. Yeah. I think somebody, code, the but. word codependency came from and started with people dealing with people of addic- you know, with addictions. Oh, okay. Okay, that's where it all started. But then as the more you learn about it, you know, and it's a confusing concept, I think, to oh, figure out. Yeah. It took me years to figure it out. And I'm a therapist, mm-hmm. but to really understand it. Um, so, I mean, I think what people want, a successful relationship, is reciprocal. So, I think that's, you're dependent in some ways with each other, mm-hmm. okay, but in other ways you're not. You live your own independent lives. That's what makes a relationship, where when it comes to addiction, it's a must. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, yes. or it, I don't think it works. I don't uh, think you can stay in the relationship. Yeah. I agree. Do you have any other questions for us about our keeping our names? Did we get anywhere? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think I was kind I of hoping to come an out. Ongoing discussion. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to come out of today with like, "Yep, I'm ready to say my name," but I don't. I don't think I'm there. I mean, did this in any way make you think more about it, or not really about saying your name? Yeah. Yeah. This continued I, discussion. I think I have this like. Like, bruh, like, I am Superwoman. Like, I want to end stigma across the world. Like, I just have that inside of me. I guess for me it's not even that I think ending the stigma would be a nice side effect, but it's more so what I would want to use my name to just be, like, out like be yourself. in the open and yeah. be my, yeah, be myself and to be able to, like, share my perspectives on, like, I think going through this has, I have more empathy now for people and for addiction and a better understanding. And I think it's hard when it comes up, if people are talking about things to figure out, to be like, oh, well, actually I know X, Y, and Z and blah, blah, blah. If they don't know the story of like why, or not even the story, but it it makes it hard to speak to the topic Mm -hmm. of addiction sometimes when I'm hiding behind, oh, people don't even know my connection mm-hmm. to addiction. I think that's a lost opportunity, too. Like, I yeah. think I'm, I'm leaning more towards being myself on this, like, not being anonymous after this conversation, because, Ugh. I don't know, I think the reasons that I don't want to are lame reasons. I mean, they're, like, self-preservation reasons. They're, like... Well, like, name a couple of those. I mean, just the judgment... And the judgment and... The judgment. (laughs) And the judgment, you know? And it's like, if I'm confident enough in my relationship and myself, which I feel like I am, then I should just be able to be like, look, this is my life and this is my journey and F you if you 
like have something bad to say about it. I mean, you know, like I should just have that. I should feel a little bit more secure in that. So that's a, I think that's an opportunity for my own growth, like to get to that place where I feel confident with my decisions. I think it comes down to that, like, oh, you're going to think I should have left, or you're going to think my marriage isn't as good as yours. Oh. And I think that's my own internal confidence, and I need to work on that. And so, um, yeah, and I think that there are other, that what you're saying, being in a, a group of people and having people say shit that's not true about addiction, yeah. but not being able to fully be like, in a way that, you know, could be understood, like, that's actually not right, and these are your resources, and not your, you're limiting your ability to help other people. And I think at the end of the day, that's what recovery is all about. It's like using your story to help other people, and if you can, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's like, we have to decide, are we, it's like that idea of operating from a place of fear mm-hmm. or a place of, and I think the reasons of not using our name are very like fear-based with the judgment and what will people think. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do we want that to dictate what we're doing or do we want to be the more hopeful? And so then I lean more towards sharing our names, but then there's still the part of it connecting to their, our spouse's stories and do they want their names out there that I think that is my main hold up. Like I could, I think I could personally get over the, oh, I'm afraid of what people will think or that judgment. Like I could move past that, but the, it's the like sharing of another person's story that I keep running into, like where I'm like, I I don't know. But how you share, you have control of how you share that story. And so you have control of what you share and the light in which you share it and so if you're making it seem like it's the you know if you're making it seem like this really dramatic big thing and not I don't know the way you tell the story is how people receive the story so that's kind of in your control right but I wouldn't want to try and put a like positive spin on it the story to put it in a better light and then that give like a false sense I think I was saying more like the level of detail right well, that and like, oh, okay, Jake relapsed and it was awful and he went behind in a car and it's like, okay, you know, Jake relapsed the other day and it sucks. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And aren't yeah. you like no. missing something? No, because no. he relapsed. So what, the like fact that he ended up in a ditch doesn't not really relevant doesn't... to the fact that he sure. overdosed and ended up in, you know, it's, it, that, that's not that What if he doesn't even want people to know that he relapsed? Well, that's his own, that's another thing. That's, so that's like, his that's another thing about his recovery. I know, but then that's, like, where do, where does that leave me? Like, I think we're in a different, like, both of your people are in recovery right now, and they are being more open, and four months ago, five months ago, I think Jake was like, oh, yeah, this, this is awesome, you guys are doing it. Now, I think he would probably be like, well, I don't know, I haven't asked him about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, I don't want my name out there. Like, yeah. I don't want work to know that I'm still using and... I feel like it's I... shame for him. Yeah. I know, but I, how do I can't... Well, and I think that's, again, why this is such a complicated topic. And that's why you're not finding a... Gosh, I thought I was just going to walk out of here and go, <laughs> yes, my name is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because there's so many different components. Yeah. Not only involving you, but involving, you know, your yeah. significant other and where they are in the whole recovery process. 
and um, it's and the fact that you guys will all have to agree upon this, or you will continue to stay anonymous. Right. Mm-hmm. That's also interesting yeah. because you all have your own different reasons, and you're all in your own situations. Yeah. Yeah, totally. and I think it will change. I mean, like yes. based on when we first started life. this this summer. I think we were both more open to yeah. using our names. Oh, yeah. And Alex was like, no, definitely yeah. not. And I'm now here we are like a few yeah. months later, and Alex and Elise are both like, we should do our names. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not, no, I'm not no, that no. excited. I just think that <laughs> yeah, my okay. reasons, <laughs> I see why my reasons are selfish, and I see how my own self-growth could, yeah. if I could get past myself, I could have the opportunity to help help people. And to mm-hmm. me, that's more valuable than, like, feeling good about myself. Yeah. You know? I and so, and I think it's it's a weakness on my side. And I, that's something that I've just, through this conversation and through this time, that I realized all my reasons are about me, and that's not that cool, so. And I think the statistic is one in seven people are affected. Is it one in seven that know somebody in recovery or who have an addiction? So... Mm-hmm. Like, I think when I've told a couple of strangers, hey, my husband's a heroin addict, like, oh, well, my, my sister's an alcoholic. Like, oh, okay, I never knew that. Um, yes. Yeah, it, I, it does lead to, like, I think deeper connections and conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It is hard. <laughs> but again, so you guys have not really made a decision today. Mm-mm. And that's okay. This, you know, conversation can keep keep on going throughout all of your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the people that are listening to it, they're going to understand the dilemmas here and the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're experiencing the same thing. And I think some of the most valuable thing that was said, I mean, today was, okay, for the people out there that are just starting this process and they have all of this going on, the shame, the fear of judgment, um, people not understanding or their spouses or significant other not wanting other people to know, where do they go? where you guys went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You started out at a treatment center right. in family group mm-hmm. treatment, right. and that's how you met each other. Yeah. Right. Then you guys became your own support, Correct. and then it grew from this. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I think that's a very valuable thing that people can hear, Yeah. where I they agree. start. I agree. Yeah, yeah. or even like counseling. Oh, yeah. And like oh, how you mentioned the other Al-Anon and mm-hmm. non So there are places mm-hmm. that... Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.